day, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Shadow Talk. I'm Sean, and joined, of course, today by our merry band of misfits. We have Ivan, Austin, and our fearless leader, Rick, in the house today. What's up, everybody? Good to be here again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to see you again, Austin. I feel like it's been a while, man. Um, so good to, good to have you back on here. So we got ourselves, once again, another busy week in cybersecurity. One of the top interesting bits of news is the Mosey botnet is now offline. Apparently the people running Mosey botnet have been arrested in China. For those that don't know, that's they've been responsible for pwning well over one and a half million devices since 2019. They had a peak basically of about 160,000 infected bots last year, mostly located throughout China and India. So interesting to see law enforcement making big moves and taking one more botnet that's hopefully going to go dark and hopefully be one less thing to worry about for the blue teams and network defenders out there. And also some of the other big news is that the Groove Gang released credentials of compromised Fortinet appliances with about 500,000 credentials found in the list uh, from what we understand, and I think, Ivan, you took a look at this, right? Or you've been tracking this? Yeah, we took a look at the data. It looks like there's a lot of usernames and passwords and a lot of IP addresses in there as well. But no, it doesn't look like there's any email and password credentials. So I know like, the you know, with credentials being floating around out there and some other identifying details, this definitely, you know, helps build the case for, and I know Rick was talking about this before we even came on today, was you know, beefing up those login processes, you know, multi-factor, all sorts of, you know, rotating passwords not reusing passwords, all those different things that help people stay safe out there. Use password managers, folks. And and other interesting news, our um, friends over at Splunk actually released some interesting new PowerShell analytics for threat hunters. So basically within Splunk, you can look for different types of PowerShell use uh, within an environment based on some of the signatures they've written. Uh, And the other cool thing is inclusive support for SOAR responses. So with that sim kind of being an industry standard and probably a lot of people out there that listen to this use Splunk. Good to know that the Splunk threat research team out there has uh, developed some new stuff around PowerShell analytics. So more good news for the defenders out there, especially since PowerShell has become such a big- So um, hot. It's so it hot. So hot right now. You know, if it's not Cobalt Strike, it's PowerShell or it's a combination, but everyone from nation states to criminals are using it. So whatever you can do to help in the fight against finding that illicit use of PowerShell on your environment is super handy. One uh, one other shout out for the Splunk crew. Ryan Kovar has been on Shadow Talk, I think twice. It's been a while since we've had him on, but they do a cool video, um, him and one of his colleagues, Mick, uh, Coffee Talk with the Splunk security gang. They talk about similar to this, they'll go through top stories of the week, provide some color on stuff that's coming out. So if you have, if you're a Splunk uh, customer, Splunk fan, check out that coffee talk with the Splunk security gang. Not to mention some of the best t-shirts in the biz. I will say they're like coveted treasures when you can find them and they usually do limited runs. So got to get them while they're hot for sure. So to kind of jump into the hot topics for the week, uh, a little bit more of a deep dive. Uh, One of the things that we saw was a little interesting was that a book locker, which made a little bit of notoriety earlier this year when they went toe to toe with the Washington DC police, then basically subsequently folded and disappeared. We found out that they, some of their source code actually got leaked online. And it looks like there's been some insights into some other things going on. So Austin, what can you tell us about that book and where they're coming from? Yeah. So their history, um, actually not that long. They first emerged on the scene in January, 2021. Uh, they you know, they were extorting victims on a weekly basis. This was throughout the world. Most of the victims that they were going after were in the industrial goods and services sector. And they were doing big game hunting, which was going after 
small number of high value targets. They're a Russian speaking group. They've been known to recruit members on Russian language forums, but they've also advertised on English language forums, interestingly enough. And yeah, so as you mentioned, April 2021 with the Washington DC Metro ransom actually turned out to be an inflection point for them. So the a former Babook admin, since the group has now kind of dissolved and gone their separate ways. So they, they now run the Groove, the Groove Gang. And they're saying that it was their decision to go forward with the, go toe-to-toe with the Washington, D.C. police, while other members of the group were against it. There's, you know, ransomware members out there or affiliates that still want to stay out of the spotlight. So they kind of had a falling out and they went their separate ways. So in the past week, they've kind of come back into discussion because their source code, uh, the Babic source code, was leaked on a Russian language cyber criminal forum. The person that leaked it was a self-proclaimed former member of Babic, and their justification for leaking the source code was a untimely cancer diagnosis. So they said, this is all I have to live for. I don't care. I'm leaking this. So it's interesting because not only was this leaked on a Russian forum for free, but it just kind of highlights the rift that they kind of uh, was the result of the Washington DC uh, ransomware attack. So the, and I know that, you know, the, one of the big things with them for, you know, the listeners that may not be as familiar with what's happened with Babook in, in recent times, but they've splintered, there was Groove, and then there was also another group in another forum, correct? That they're also split into? Yes. So reportedly the, the former Babook administrator, they launched uh, this new forum. So Actually, what was seen in July, the Babic website went down, and what appeared on that that website was the there's a new forum called Ramp. It's a ran- ransomware focused forum, uh, which is something that we don't really see. But the way it was advertised is kind of a safe haven to discuss ransomware freely without any fear of retribution. And then, uh, reportedly, the other members that were against the Babic administrator, they went on to form Babic Locker version 2.0. And the Groove Gang, Groove Data Leak site is attached to Ramp. So there's, you know, there's a few different things going on there, but they, they all kind of came from the same source of Babic Locker. So with leaked source code out there, like what, as a defender, what are the things I guess, would I, should I be concerned about with like leaked source code for ransomware out there? So there's a few, few, you know, kind of interesting things about it. One, um, source code is, you know, it's not really easy to get you know, cyber criminals to get their hands on. It usually has to be purchased because it's something that's usually protected. So it was interesting that they posted it freely on there. But it seems likely uh, from the analysts that security researchers have done on the source code that was leaked, that it could be done, I'm sorry, that it could be used for a, another ransomware executable. We've, you know, we've seen cyber criminals in the past repurpose and reshare tools to be used for other ransomwares. I mean, I don't think there's any, you know, immediate threat to defenders, but I think we'll be seeing some interesting developments in the coming weeks. Yeah, it's just interesting, kind of like the amount of drama that that's kind of happened with them, just the, you know, between the, the splintering and the factions, but they're still kind of like hanging out. I don't know. It's interesting to see when that happens. You know, they're like, there, there must be some kind of bad blood and bad split, but at the same time, it's like, they're still, you know, kind of a part of the same kind of group, just maybe different, different focus. So really interesting to see when that happens, I think. Um, so what else, as far as for, you know, things like any sort of new developments with Babook or, or you know, the associated group, group, um, what sort of things have, have you seen or, or are we seeing? Yeah, I, I think one of the more interesting developments will just be, you know, the forum experts keeping an eye on what's happening with the Groove Gang, uh, since it is tied to the Ramp Forum. There's already been 
company data leaked on there. You know, presumably this was the result of a ransomware attack. But this site's also kind of be being used for the Bavik, former Bavik administrator to air their dirty laundry and their opinions about the falling out. So I think it's going to be turned into the, kind of like a blog. You know, it's going to be used as a data leak site, but it's also going to be used for other, for research purposes and other things. Thanks for that, Austin. So in other news, what was kind of interesting this week also is that ProtonMail kind of had a little bit of a backlash uh, because some people have seen that some recent cooperation with Swiss law enforcement is kind of going a little bit against what ProtonMail stands for. I know that it's used a lot in the community on pretty much both sides of the fence. You know, there are some actors out there that use ProtonMail, and I'm sure there's plenty of researchers and other types that use it just for the privacy features. But what kind of brought them into the forefront of all this was there's basically a French activist um, that they were they were compelled to release information about this activist. So basically, it sounded like some machine details like IP addresses and other types of identifying information that previously ProtonMail said that they don't normally keep logged um, and they will you know, not necessarily cooperate with any sorts of requests like that. So kind of in a first, they were basically compelled by Swiss authorities to cooperate and provide information on a user, which of course is causing some interesting privacy concerns for people that use ProtonMail. And what's also kind of interesting is that they basically have done some more clarifications around their sort of their terms of service and acceptable use policies that basically if Swiss authorities are compelling them to cooperate in any sort of law enforcement investigation that they really have their hands tied with it. But from what it looks like there was, it's definitely not something that happens lightly. It has to be some sort of outside request from another country or another government. And then the Swiss have to agree to, to comply. And typically what's violating things like their terms of service is some sort of malicious activity or some sort of illegal types of activity, like, you know, things like maybe, you know, illegal pornography or some sort of like attacks originating from, or, you know, spam and things like that originating from Proton servers. So, you know, the, the thought is maybe if somebody is being compelled to take a look at this account, then there's probably maybe something bad that was happening with it. But what is interesting is, like we said before, the acceptable use policies in terms of service have been updated. And the basically the CEO has acknowledged that, you know, they're they're also kind of concerned about what, what's happened as well. So interesting to see, you know, if there's going to be people that jump over to other types of services that offer the same kind of things as ProtonMail, but, you know, will not cooperate with law enforcement in any way. So interesting to see this develop, especially because the privacy things are very real concerns for a lot of people out there. And finally, to round up for this episode is uh, we actually have, there's a new vulnerability that's just been announced. And basically Microsoft has acknowledged it's, it's a, basically it's a, vulnerability within how Office handles certain documents using ActiveX. But it was so urgent that basically CISA got on Twitter and basically told everyone to read the advisory from Microsoft pretty quickly. So it's kind of interesting to see what's going on with this, especially since ActiveX is kind of a big deal. So Ivan, can you tell us what the danger is with this newest CVE that just got released? Yeah. So the CVE is uh, called CVE uh, 2021 uh, 40444. And it's rated 8.8 .8 out of 10 on the CVSS scale. Uh, so this is a remote code execution vulnerability in MS HTML, which affects uh, Microsoft Windows. And uh, the danger is that Microsoft, they said that they were aware of targeted attacks attempting to exploit this vulnerability in the wild. And uh, these attacks, they used uh, specially crafted Microsoft Office documents and then all that a threat actor needs to do once they have these documents is convince the user to open these documents and then they can compromise those accounts. 
So the user accounts with admin rights are likely the ones that are most impacted by the issue. And uh, another interesting thing is that the vulnerability is said to require a low attack complexity. And uh, apparently there's already a proof of concept in the wild available for it. Yeah, that probably explains why people were so kind of quick to jump on this um, with an active exploit. And it sounded like they were being kind of cagey about, you know, um, about the, the actual vulnerability itself, like, you know, things have been spotted and staying kind of general. So like, how would a problem with ActiveX or M MSHTML potentially affect, you know, Windows and its use? Yeah, so ActiveX is a deprecated software framework uh, that has had many security issues affecting Microsoft Office in the past. And this new vulnerability, it allows uh, threat actors to craft malicious ActiveX controls to be used in Microsoft Office. So when a user opens uh, the Microsoft Office document, uh, it, it is hosted, uh, it hosts the browser rendering engine and uh, this executes malicious code. So Microsoft, they, they now are suggesting users to disable all installations of ActiveX controls in Internet Explorer. And uh, they also said that their antivirus and endpoint protection uh, software can help to protect against uh, this vulnerability with alerts. But a patch is supposed to become available very soon. Nice. Yeah, I wonder if that means it's going to be like patching out a band or if it's going to go to like the regular next patch Tuesday. That'd be interesting. Um, so, you know, whenever I hear something like weaponized office documents and I hear things about exploits being in the wild and, um, you know, a vendor being somewhat cagey about the other details about the vulnerability, like where it's been spotted and who it's attacking, like what's the community speculation about this, you know, regarding the possible threats from the CBE? Yeah, so the community, they have highlighted fears that this vulnerability will be here to stay for a very long time. Uh, especially given the high number of systems that need to be patched. And uh, many people believe that this vulnerability allows for more direct exploitation of systems. So the impact could be very high. Uh, that being said, this is a client-side vulnerability. So it does require user interaction. Uh, there have also been concerns that this vulnerability could have impact uh, extending beyond uh, Microsoft Office. And uh, because MS, HTML, and ActiveX uh, they run, you know, in the background for a lot of different applications. Shutting down one thing may affect other things, and uh, it may have unintended consequences, kind of like the print nightmare vulnerability. Yeah, and something like this makes me think of like nation-state attackers, or you know, maybe some more uh, advanced criminal actors, even, um, especially with you know the way it runs in the background with so many different things. Um, scary stuff. Uh, another, another problem with Windows coming right at the. Right, right as we we're just kind of finished up talking about um, all the other proxy vulnerabilities that are happening this year. So fun things when you have such a large ecosystem, for sure. That actually brings us to the end of this week's Shadow Talk. We'll have a couple of links here below, especially with the article about Splunk's new PowerShell analytics. But a couple of plugs from this, this week. It's been kind of a heavy week with blogs. And this week has actually been fairly focused on ransomware. Big surprise. Uh, but Can you believe that? Can you believe that? I know. It's weird. <laughs> So we actually have a story that kind of goes over some of the highlights of the ransomware scene over the probably the last couple of years. There's a lot of tie-ins to the never-ending story. So if you're ever triggered by watching Artax the horse drowning in the swamp, maybe this isn't the article for you. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. 
<laughs> if you yeah. haven't seen a 1980s film, spoiler alert, if you were holding out on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know some of us are still traumatized from the, you know, from 30 years ago. There's also another uh, kind of a 101 level blog about ransomware and some things to think about to prevent it. And also a really good article as far as um, how threat intelligence can help play into the fight of ransomware. And finally, there's actually a blog about a few things that we're reading to, to follow some of our previous editions of this throughout the summer. A lot of times we're looking at interesting things throughout the week and, you know, there's sometimes it's not all ransomware. So check out those blogs. Links will be posted in the show notes below. But again, we're reading the never ending story. Yeah. <laughs> ransomware is the never ending we gotta story. Revisit it. I got to revisit it now. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. It's a good time. There, there are are some triggering moments and it's a great soundtrack it doesn't it doesn't keep up very well i mean it it looks like it was made 30 years ago it's it's old yeah yeah you have to excuse the bad effects and the really cheesy like german schlager music that kind of goes with it in the soundtrack but that's what makes it that's what makes it good though oh yeah that takes me back that horrible <laughs> special effects oh yeah and one other note i know we've kicked off our final fantasy or final fantasy no that's a game uh we've actually <laughs> we've actually kicked off our fantasy football so hopefully uh best of luck to all of you out there who've started your leagues with kickoff happening this week so good times go cowboys by the time this airs i'm sure the cowboys will have lost their opener on thursday night <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's true that is tonight uh, so good luck to everyone this season. Otherwise, we thank you again for your time and listening to this episode of Shadow Talk brought to you by Digital Shadows. Shadow Talk.